live? Are we? We are. We were just discussing that one time that I accidentally recorded <laughs> the entire interview episode with Danielle Slaughter in robot voice. Oh, that was so hilarious. And I panicked for a solid 20 minutes while I Googled how to change it on GarageBand. <laughs> 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 while furiously sending her texts like, I guess what I just did. <laughs> Anyway, we're back. Hi. Welcome to Parenting is Political, a podcast about parenting and stuff. Mm-hmm. My name is Mo. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Jasmine. My pronouns are she, her. And if this is your first episode listening to, you chose a good one. Because <laughs> why? What are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about WAP. Uh, what? Uh, wet ass pussies. Nice. We're actually talking about queer sex we and are. how interesting it is um, as parents. And we've talked about queer sex before. We've talked about sex and sexual education before. We have. And, we had a whole episode on that. Right. And so definitely go catch up on that one if you haven't read it. We talk about, we cover the ways in which white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy really are infused in sex ed and how the Christian church in particular in our experiences have um, has been the vehicle mm-hmm. for a lot of repression, oppression, and violations. Yeah, and there is a content warning on that episode. We do talk about rape. We do talk about sexual abuse and assault. Yeah. So we do encourage you at the beginning, if you need to take breaks, to take breaks. Or if you just need to skip the episode in general, feel free to do so. So Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B came out with a fantastic mm music video it was very titillating titillating that's such a good use of that word intentionally yeah it was by design it was arousing Mm -hmm. and the internet is all aflame across multiple communities debating about the ethics and morality of um women to black cis women um Proclaiming that their vagina and vulva self lubricate. <laughs> mm, yeah. What an interesting conversation to have been following along with. Yes. How what what has impacted you about it? And what what, what are you observing? I just am observing so many dudes um commenting yeah. about pussies. And my first response is you shouldn't be commenting about pussies. Additionally, you really shouldn't be commenting about black women's pussies. I just feel like anyone who doesn't have the starting knowledge that people with vulvas and vaginas have a three-hole system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to to be clear, we are talking, we are using the language of women because Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are, women, are both but women, but we also do acknowledge that not every person who has a vulva or a vagina is a woman. And, uh, but if we're using that language, it's because we're referencing two very specific people. Are you sure? How do you know that, Mo? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Did you take a quiz online today to find out? <laughs> oh my God, I know what you're referencing now. <laughs> Don't get me started. That's a different episode. Yeah. So we're just talking about queer sex and why it's so important to be unapologetic about your sexual identity and your sexual expression 
And if you are a person who engages in sex, why, as a parent, it matters that it's not a secret? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we posted some photos on our social media. And while we lost several hundred followers. We lost like 300 followers. As of right now. Um, we'll see how that grows, which I don't care about. Like, that's not yeah. what I'm, I'm not like focusing on that. What I want to focus on is the positive response we had to those posts. Yeah. So many of y'all have been like, I'm a parent. I like to fuck. Like, let's talk about it. This is important. Okay. Well, first of all, in so many ways, if we're going to like, how do you think children are born? <laughs> right. Somebody had to fuck somebody else. Yeah. Or somebody had to inseminate somebody else. Someone at some point had to get something out of their body into somebody else's body. Let's put it like that, all right? And just the idea that if you're a parent, you have to be devoid of sex. Or if you do engage in sex, it has to be very sterilized, very Mm -hmm. quiet. It's always subtext. It's not like, have you as a parent ever said in front of your children, I, to your partner, whomever you engage with, sexual contact with, um, I want to have sex with you right now. Can we go have sex? And then you leave. Or do you whisper about it? Is it like a thing? Like- I can tell you how we interact in front of our children is the complete opposite of how uh, my parents interacted in front of me. Because uh, there was no talk about sex in our house. Zero. None. I would maybe see them kiss sometimes, mm. but we never talked about sex. We never alluded to it. I never saw it. I never heard it. I never like, I didn't even, I don't even know if my parents ever had sex, to be honest. Outside of the four times they had it to make children. I don't know because we just never talked about it. How we parent though is much different. Yeah. So my mom bought me like my first sex toy and was like super clear about it and it was like a thing that was celebrated in my house with like lube and I think I think that she wanted to get me a vibrator because she was tired of me taking three hour long showers with a massaging shower head that water bill wasn't cheap and and at one point she was like Jasmine we know where you put the shower head stop doing that we all have to take showers jeez jazz but it was that pulsating water. <laughs> couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> there was hip thrusting that y'all couldn't see because this is audio. I wish. I wish. <laughs> Feel free to imagine me. it. <laughs> so this episode, we don't really have a huge educational curve to it. I feel that past episodes have definitely explained why capitalism denigrates your relationship with your body. Yeah. And I think that is not, you know, sexual expression isn't an exception to that rule. And we know that white supremacy does the same thing, right? It, mm-hmm. it only assigns certain bodies as good. And um, and then, of course, patriarchy. Oh, of course, patriarchy. It's a big one in this one, even though they're all big. But what is always so shocking to me are the people who are just coming out and don't see the ways in which their rigidity around sex is internalized homophobia. Ooh, 
Yes. Let's talk more about that. Well, we went through this process. Well, you went through this process. I don't think there was a we in that. That was a full I statement. I went through a process. So maybe share with folks when you first started having sex with me, which you had had other partners. Yes. But they were all very homophobic, even though they were queer people. That's a thing. New listeners, we have covered this in other episodes. Mm -hmm. But some of the biggest defenders of like transphobia and homophobia and queer phobia are those of us who are in those communities. Absolutely. Because we 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 have been colonized, right? And those who were not uh, generational offspring of those who were colonized, maybe your your heritage is that you're colonizer, still anti-blackness um, and and patriarchy and anti or excuse me and white supremacy and capitalism are still socialized into us at very, very young ages. And then we live in that system. And so we have an internal cough. We have an internal colonizer. We have an internal slut shamer. We have an internal homophobe. And that comes out in how we have sex, how we make love, our kink, our play. And just like Cornel West talks about, it takes courage. Like we have to engage in this, this place of courage, of self um, evaluation mm-hmm. and being really honest about ourselves. And so some people call that decolonizing process. Some people call that developing critical consciousness, whatever the fuck you call it. It's a, it's a journey that we all, if we're trying to live in our bodies in a way that's more just in the world, in our relationships and community, in a way that is more just, we have to do that introspection and interrogation. And so, so yeah, so I digress. What I was saying is that even though you had queer partners and you were having queer sex in a way you weren't even having queer sex. No, and that's what was confusing to me was because I thought queer sex meant two gay people having sex. But two gay people having sex, in my opinion now, is it doesn't it's not necessarily queer sex. I, I well, I think that what you explained to me, and I'm not giving details because I want you to be able to give your own details, but what was explained to me was that you were performing heteronormative absolutely sexual experiences yeah. with a person like with another gay person yeah and that n- isn't necessarily queer sex no it's not. <laughs> no it's not okay so maybe yeah, well, help people understand more what you mean by that well i mean like we can do like real basic level like i thought that I had to be the quote-unquote man in the relationship. Cute, cute. Because I was more androgynous looking, more masculine presenting at the time, even though I had not stepped into my full power around my gender identity yet. I was still very much leaning towards that. So I would obviously be the person who, you know... How graphic are we going in this? You can go for what it. I mean, we like this, we're talking it. We're talking about it. Give give yeah. the people what they want. So I was the person doing the penetrating. I was never penetrated. I was always like the one that was initiating. I wasn't the one who was more receiving. If anything, it just boils down to I was trying to be the quote unquote man in the relationship because yeah. of. I was taught for the first 20-something years of my life that this is your gender role, this is your gender role, this is your sexuality. Mm -hmm. There are no deviations from these things. Yeah, and I think that whenever we wake up to the realities that we're queer people, in many ways we, we just fall naturally into roles that we were conditioned 
Mm-hmm. And so the idea of queering our sex life sometimes comes later. It does, In yeah. your developmental process and that psychosocial trajectory. Yeah. And, and for us and for other partners that I've been with, it's excruciating because I'm a femme who is not at all a bottom. No. <laughs> and not at all sub. Definitely not. And so people come to me assuming that's what I should be. And I don't mind, like, I can be, like, like I can bring switch energy if Mm -hmm. I have to, but it's not my, it's not how I receive pleasure. It's not my preference. And so it's always really strange with new sexual partners who are like, oh, like, you're high femme. This is what you should be doing. Just lay down and take this. And I'm like, no, you fucking take it. No, you lay down and take that. (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 yeah. And I think that I don't, I don't ever want to be prescriptive to say that if someone is engaging in quote unquote mainstream traditional um, sexual dynamics that it doesn't make them queer. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying at all. If you're queer and you're having sex however you have it, it's still fucking queer sex. Yeah. But what we're what I'm trying to articulate is that the performance of heterosexual sexual expression can should be released. It should. And if it, it doesn't serve queer people, it harms us and limits how beautiful our sexual lives can be. Yeah, and if that's your jam and if you really like having sex like that, that's great, but that shouldn't like it shouldn't come from a place of obligation because you've internalized it, right? You should you should explore it, you should question it, you should be curious about it. Yeah, I I knew a blogger once um who would always talk about how like real lesbians don't scissor and I was all that's weird because I (laughs) and I so because I scissor but but and and I'm real queer Mm -hmm. so I never want to go to that place where we're creating some sort of dogma around what queer sex is or isn't yeah that's not that hard of what we're trying to do and and I still want us to be really critical about how we have been infiltrated by heterosexual society and given frames for sexual expression that just don't fit queer identity and actually harm us more than help us yeah absolutely that's all we're trying to say yeah and it was so interesting last night whenever we posted those pictures and we said have you considered that having a vibrant energized sex life makes you a better parent and caregiver there were people who were legitimately like this is inappropriate you (laughs) yeah like dropping like flies because for us it's almost like saying did you know having a beautiful diet with foods that you find nourishing that your body responds to makes you a better parent and caregiver and people are like oh yeah i can get with that but if you start talking about what happens in your bedroom Mm -hmm. That's bad. Especially if it's, like, queer, too. Like, there's, oh, yeah. a, there's a lot of people that well, like Well, it's not to... just queer. It was, like, my black ass was on the screen. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so, like, that also is a thing that ways in which, un- like, black women owning their bodies um, and, and using their bodies however they want and showing pictures or not showing pictures mm-hmm. or however, it is just inherently political. And most people hate it. Yeah. Because of misogynoir. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also so many people that loved it. And that's why we're like, yeah, we got to do an episode of this. Because so many people are like, yes, I'm a parent who has a vibrant sex life. 
that doesn't diminish from anything I'm doing as a parent. If anything, it adds to it. It makes me better. Well, like, it's. I think it just goes back to that, like the the feminist analysis around like the virgin whore dichotomy yeah. and how like even if you're a queer parent, they want to know that you're still doing life like a like a heterosexual couple and you're having healthy. Um, what do they call it? <laughs> They're sorry, like pure sex, like yeah. healthy, holy sex, holy that kind of thing. Like no one wants to envision me and my black ass with a giant strap on and then me holding my baby and being angelic. But those things don't, like they're not in opposition no. to each other. And we have to stop framing it that way. And we also would like to encourage everybody to stop framing us that way. I feel like in a lot of ways, us posting those photos was just to remind folks that we don't we don't really care. Like we are existing, our existence in and of itself is radical. We're gonna post what we want. It's our page. And if you don't like it, you found the unfollow button. But those who liked it and those who are staying, let's fucking do it. Yeah, so let's talk about fucking doing it. What things <laughs> do you do as sexual practice as a non-binary queer person to support your well-being with your partner or without your partner? How would you answer that question? Um, I make sure that I, as, specifically as a non-binary person, I make sure that I have different tools and different uh, things that I wear, things that I don't wear, that make me feel really good in my body mm-hmm. and help me stay really present. Because sex can sometimes be a very like dysphoric thing to experience. Yeah. Um, and that's not true across the board, but that is my experience. And so um, having a partner who in this case is you, who is very supportive and like does research around those things. And there's intimacy outside of the moments of connecting sexually that create this bond and create this trust so that I can enter into a sexual experience with a cisgender person and still feel seen, still feel safe, still feel heard and still get fucked really, really well. Yeah. And I had to be accountable to you in so many ways because whenever I'm like all of my partners were cis women up until you outside of like the the three men i wouldn't count the ones that raped me no which all three of them were yeah <laughs> um i thought i love them had a relationship with them but it turns out stockholm syndrome is real yeah um but so suffice it to say the majority of my fulfilling sexual relationships were with cis women And I went into autopilot. I did what I was taught to do of, like, this is what women like with their bodies. Mm So Mo must like that. And, like, to give myself some grace, you hadn't transitioned yet. There hadn't been social transition. um, And you were not aware in some ways. But I remember pretty clearly that our sex life and the way in which I had, I was like educating myself and learning about how to be an attentive sexual partner for you was some of the first places where you started talking about being non-binary. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really, really interesting. And I think it started with your chest and Mm -hmm. like, like this is what I, I don't like this and this is why. And I would say to you, that language sounds a lot like (laughs) the trans experience, but I can't tell you about yourself. I can't tell you about yourself. And for months and months and months, like we would be 
experimenting and figuring out different um, things that we enjoyed sexually and getting acquainted with each other's bodies. And every time afterwards, I'd be like, hey, so have you heard about this thing? (laughs) Because it sounds very similar to this thing. Um, which is so ironic because our haters and trolls were always like, Jasmine's controlling everyone and making everyone trans, yeah. which is so funny. I wish I could. Honestly, Do that you would know, be awesome. If I had that power of manipulation and influence to turn people <laughs> to transgender folks, do you know how many trans people there would be? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's, you know, one could only hope that that could happen one day. <laughs> so you, so you're... But yeah, it was such a loving process. It was... Loving and gracious and patient and never, like, paternalistic. It was always just, hey, let me, like, present some information. And then, obviously, light light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) It finally clicked. I was like, oh, I see. (laughs) Yeah. Are there things that you do throughout the week for yourself sexually that help you be a part of this family? Um, I'm trying to think. I think... Outside of, I do a couple things. I I masturbate regularly, which is something I enjoy doing. But then also outside of that, I like to wear things and wear certain clothes that make me feel really sexy. Mm-hmm. And not like lingerie, because that's not the only thing. If that's what popped into your head, let's, you- push, let's push back against that a little bit, because... <laughs> <laughs> not, every, not everyone is sexy in lingerie like that. Like, that's not their sexy, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Your reg- denim is your thing. Oh, my God. Denim. When I see a nice leather jacket on someone, I feel like that's sexual. That, when listen, you wear your Doc Martens, I'm like, let me take off my pants. But that's because, like, you have been living with a leather dyke for a while now. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, but when I get a nice pair of jeans and my ass looks good in them, I'm Denim like, dyke, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I feel myself. But yeah, I think that, that helps. And, and just for me in general, from somebody who was so um, starved of any sort of sexuality or any sort of knowledge around sex or anything like that as a kid growing up and even yeah. early adolescence to early adulthood... Any form of me taking care of myself sexually is, like, resilience, and it it helps me become a better person. It helps me become more present as a parent, especially now that we have two kids who are in the middle of puberty. God, yes. And their sexual curiosities are starting to awake much more. And if I hadn't have been doing the work of connecting with mine, I would have felt way more, like, awkward and, like, probably shamed them and Mm -hmm. passed on my own trauma and my own shame well, I don't know kids. if I would have let you do well, that. But. Right, but I mean, yeah, I would have sure. tried. <laughs> I would have absolutely tried to indoctrinate them to my Christian shame. <laughs> but yeah, enough about me. What about you? Oh, yeah, I have so many things. Um, I love cruising. Super fun. What? Cru- well, like cruising. Is- Just Google it, please. Like right I- now? Should I read the... No, no, I don't. I don't want... Because it's a whole other, like, kink subtext that's... It's like a whole other episode. I could talk about it in another episode. But I love cruising culture. Um, And recently, because of just COVID, the majority of the cruising has been, like, in the digital space. Yeah. Um, Are you learning now? I am learning. Okay, I'm understanding. If you didn't know what it was, pause and Google it. Mo now, Mo knows now. <laughs> Mo knows. And then um, I 
have my rope that is super private to me. Like, I've posted a couple of pictures every once in a while, but, like, tying myself is yeah. always very nice. And I'm an advocate, advocate of morning masturbation. I feel you like... You love to. I feel like... Before coffee, before anything else, please masturbate so that everyone can put up with you, Jasmine. <laughs> please just get it out. Just <laughs> do it. Um, and then I love lace and you do. black underwear. I love kink so much. You are very into kink. Yeah, and I can only really do what I enjoy as far as like BDSM with you thus far. Um, but in general, I just, I have a, I used to think that I didn't have a high sex drive Mm. whenever I was married to a heterosexual man. Yeah. And some of the sex drive issue was because I was being severely abused as were my children. But, um, after leaving that and having my other partners and other sexual experiences, like, oh, I have a really high sex drive, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other, like, layers to that around needing some sort of safety, emotional connection, yeah. which I'm still working out for myself. Um, but, yeah. yeah. And I love flirting. Yes, you do. I think that I love flirting with, like, strangers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. With my kids, with my family members. I think that flirtatiousness as like a social language is an art form. And I also think that it's so, people don't count it as anything, right? They like, they just think it's the thing that you do to get laid or to like impress someone. But, but I don't connect being flirtatious or being like flirting with other people as like a explicitly sexual venture. And I think people I think people should flirt more. I think people should flirt more, flirt more too. I not know. not just in hopes of getting laid, but like No. Just to you brighten someone's day. Yeah. <laughs> um but the majority of my sexual like my like what unlocks a lot of my sexual experiences outside of the my kink scene, mm-hmm. just like my regular whatever I don't even know what I would call it because I'm <laughs> So much of my I know. I, um, is there something separate from that right now? Yeah, there, there, there is because I don't have like the kink that I enjoy with other sexual partners. So, I mean, save for you. So, yes, there is something else. But for me, it takes a lot of connection and vulnerability and self disclosure, which I think that's why I love kink so much is because there are rules and expectations of disclosure. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much communication and negotiating boundaries and needs and to figuring out norms and, and, and giving feedback and like aftercare and managing folks. And so that's what I love about it. And I think maybe that's also why I love being poly in the way that I am, because that is that's the work like that's the container of that existence, whereas it feels so much easier whenever I was trying to perform monogamous commitment. Yeah. To get in that really dead space where you're just, oh, we have a script for this, so I just know what I'm supposed to do, so I just do it. Right. And how, let me ask you the question, how do you think having, like, a vibrant sex life, um, having, 
a WAP, if you might say. Wet as pussy. <laughs> um, helps you be a better parent. Let's go back to the original yeah, well, post. Let's yeah, answer that question. Well, here's what's interesting for me. In the very beginning and other experiences with marriage and partnership that I had, I didn't self-lubricate. So mm-hmm. I thought I was a person who maybe just had a vulva that didn't get as wet as other people's. And and there are medical things that's so valid. Yes. Like the glorification of self-lubrication is is ableist in so many so ways. So ableist, yeah. So many ways. There's nothing wrong with using lube, people. Just use it. And so I was always like so devoted to the different lubes that I love. Yeah. Because I didn't lubricate until I started having sex with um, people who helped me feel safe as a trauma survivor. Yeah. And what I didn't realize was that my body was telling me that something was off and how someone was handling my body and the experience. Mm. And because I'm a childhood sexual assault survivor and I'm um, a rape and sexual assault survivor in adulthood as well, I had not cultivated the skills yet to clearly articulate. And that's also like a little bit of a um, warning sign for me when I'm having a hard time stating verbal like verbalizing exactly what it is that I want from someone it's because they are like whatever they're however they're moving through the space with me is making is not making me feel safe yeah um so in that way my sex life helped to transform abuse places wow and traumatized places so that I could show up more empowered and dignified to be a parent to my kids and be present and not be held captive by the harms that I experienced and the violations that I experienced and the abuse that I experienced. And so it was a site of healing. That's beautiful. And, you know, Marvin Gaye, who is so problematic because (laughs) of all kinds of things in his history, um, he has that song, Sexual, sexual Healing. healing. <laughs> and my my grandparents and parents and aunties and uncles and all of my, my family just on repeat love that song. Oh, what? A, but it wasn't until like I actually experienced kink um, and BDSM in, BDSM in particular um, as vehicles for healing trauma and learning like to like regulate my brain. Yeah. Um, did I ever understand what the fuck he could have been talking about? Do you think Marvin Gaye was into BDSM? (laughs) Stay tuned for Jasmine's thesis. (laughs) And so for me, it was like, I can go to therapy for 10 years. I can go get my ketamine infusions and be treated by my psychiatrist. But sex was the first place that I started to feel the embodied practice of healing and liberation. Yeah. And for a person who has experienced the trauma of living in like a white cis hetero capitalistic patriarchal society, mm-hmm. right? And all the violence that's visited upon my body by other people's frameworks and all the violence that I absorbed in my body um, because of my own trauma history, for my body then to be a site of transform transformation and restoration and sex being the vehicle and sexual expression as the vehicle has been really, really incredible. Yeah. And, and I don't think that people talk about that so openly because there's still so much shame around like being overtly sexual at all, you know? Yeah. And I would say, I would say I've watched your process as a non-binary person that as we have grown and learned how to trust each other through our dom-sub dynamic, um, you have experienced healing as well. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Oftentimes there is like a release of things after we've had sex. Of yeah. Like things click and things move through my body that I don't like move necessarily out, yeah. do on my own if it's like just I'm trying to like process in my head. Yeah. So that, that physical connection really helps kind of progress some of the healing. And we've experienced that many times where. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's karmic work for sure. It like is. It, there's, there's some, there's a level of spirit to it. Yeah. And so I think in, in, in a way, like a lot of the religious traditions, particularly here, my experience with Christianity and some with the nation of Islam, <laughs> um, the whole like, there's a spiritual component to sex. Yeah. I can understand a tiny, tiny layer of that, but I think that they, those communities often use that as a form of harm and violence, control and, control yeah. and subjugation. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so I think for us, our sex life has been this really beautiful way of bolstering the quality of our parent and caregiving because we've learned to take care of our own bodies and ourselves. And then we've learned to take care of each other in this dyadic bond of sexual experience. And that translates into other forms of caring for people. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think so. I agree 100%. Yeah. And I just agree with talking more about parents doing it. You know, like I just want have you been fucked today? Yeah. Remember that no, you don't because you're like a 90s baby, but there used to be these PSAs of like when it got too late at night, the TV would be like, "Oh, yeah. Do you know where your this. children are?" Yeah. It's, it's like 9 that, p.m. Do you know where your kids are at? Yeah, but yeah. it should be like public service announcement. <laughs> ha- yeah. Have you today yeah and also like there are people who don't actually like there are stone butches and there are people who don't enjoy being touched and there are, there are folks who are not even into sex at all yeah like, there are gray sexuals and asexuals and so but I, there are other ways of intimate connection and healing that take place yeah so I, I i want to name them and bring them into this space yeah. because you're valid we see you we respect that right now we're talking about people yeah. who do want to be fucked yeah it's me it's it's just jasmine it's just me it's just jasmine someone come put a baby in me (laughs) that's what this is all about i'm Um, gonna i'm gonna text joseph right now on my way i know he he knows (laughs) the world knows now the world knows uh not like the world listens to this uh, uh, no, like, no one listens no one to this does. podcast. It's, like, the it's three like people that tune in every four time. four <laughs> people. You know what's interesting? Our trolls actually listen to our they podcast do. so faithfully. They do. Like, y'all, just subscribe already. We know. know you're listening. I know. There's a lot of people in New York that listen to our podcast, interestingly enough. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think the other... Like, New Jersey was a big one. Oh, God. There's, like, random... Like, random places. And I'm like, oh, people outside of Arkansas are listening to us. Do you think Pete <laughs> Davidson would listen to our podcast? I think so. I loved him in The King of Staten Island. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay. All right. Well, we've, we've successfully gone everywhere around this uh, conversation here, and some of it was about trauma. But we will, ap- when we post this episode, we will also post some of our favorite sex toys so that folks can try them out for Mm -hmm. themselves and yeah like just if you are a person who enjoys sex 
disconnect the shame. Yeah. There's no shame around it, y'all. Be a parent or caregiver who gets fucked. Yeah. Or fucks. Or enjoys whatever. Whatever you need. Whatever you need, do it. My mom's well, going to come over tonight and bring me an icy, so I have to go. You know? I know. <laughs> it's, it's actually <laughs> happening. Um, but if you guys have any questions about this episode, if you have any queries, if you have any um, comments. Queries? Yeah, I said it. Okay. What about it? All right. You can email at a, email us at contact at parentingispolitical.org. You can also shoot us a nice little DM on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. If you're not following us on those places, please do. Like I said, we post really great pictures sometimes, <laughs> but also like a really like a lot of good content. Um, and we love to engage with people on our socials. We love to interact with people who are part of our community. That's how we view our online space: is that y'all are in community with us. We're not just some. I mean, some of y'all. Not yeah, not everybody. all of y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not all of y'all get that access. <laughs> um, but I think that's it. I think. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with? I mean, just before you go, listener. <laughs> I just want you to know that capitalism teaches us that the only good thing that comes from our body is us create, you know, is is working. And that if we're going to have sex, it should be for procreation only. And that's just a lie. That's, yep. You know what you should do to fight capitalism tomorrow? Masturbate. Masturbate (laughs) on the clock when your boss thinks, when your boss thinks that you're working you take back some of that power. Take it away from capitalism. Yeah. And touch yourself. And then, like, tell your partner, hey, I need you, or whomever you're having sex with, I won't say your partner. But, yeah. Um, just say, hey, I need you to help me fight capitalism by eating my ass. <laughs> and that's where we're going to leave it, folks. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. Bye.